0: So slow living, I think of as sort of a feeling. I don't like that sort of hustle, do more, be more, achieve more, go, 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 go. I think a lot of times people are trying to cram so much in that they forget that if we're lucky, life is long and you might as well enjoy it. And there's no reason to try and and over schedule and overburden yourself. I think a lot of people, underestimate what they can get done in a week. And so instead of just sort of scheduling it out in a nice, slow, methodical way, they over cram themselves. And then because they over schedule and over cram themselves, they don't get it all done. And so they're always trying to play catch up and it doesn't feel right.
1: Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset Show. This is a podcast about the financial, money, and recreational mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset Show and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Stephanie O'Day, New York Times bestselling author and slow living expert. In 2008, Stephanie made a New Year's resolution to use her crock pot slow cooker every day for a year and write about it online. This simple idea resulted in 10 books and six weeks on the New York Times bestseller list and a brand new career she could do at home in her pajamas. Stephanie feels as she says, I'm living my version of the American dream. She believes that at the end of the day, we all just want to feel calm, cool, and collected like we did our absolute best. It starts with learning to live slowly. We live in a pressure cooker world, so let's be more like the crockpot, she says. Listen in to see how you might be able to live slowly, enjoy life, and do it on your terms. Well, hello, everybody. Larry Sprung here, and I have the great pleasure of being with Stephanie O'Day, New York Times bestselling author and slow living expert. And as you all know out there, I love my food and I love slow living. So uh, welcome to the show, Stephanie.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, it's awesome to have you here and sharing your story with our listeners, just so they have an understanding of where you came from and how this all started. Can you tell us about your path to becoming a New York Times bestselling author and slow living expert?
0: (laughs) Sure. So I am mostly a mom. I have three children, and I needed to find a legitimate way to work from home while raising them. And so in 2008, I made a New Year's resolution to use my crock pot slow cooker every day for a year and write about it online. I wanted to learn how to run a website. I wanted to write and kind of force myself to write every day. So I liked the idea of a New Year's resolution because it had an end date. But then the site took off and book publishers started calling and asking. I ended up on TV. All of this sort of snowballed in a really awesome, cool way. And I still got to stay home with my kids. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, being a mom is a job in itself. It's probably the toughest one in the world. And then to actually want to do more than that and actually fill your plate, no pun intended, with more (laughs) stuff to do is really amazing. Was there anything else to you driving you to make that New Year's resolution besides the fact that you wanted to do something up and beyond?
0: Yes, I needed money. (laughs) 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 so um we live in the san francisco area as everyone knows it is incredibly expensive so i was teaching preschool and i was lucky enough that my kids were able to come to school with me and so on paper it looked like everything was fantastic and i was able to work and still be the mom i wanted to be but my youngest at the time started getting sick she was vomiting sporadically and we didn't know what it was. And I assumed it was daycare germs. So I sort of let it go for a while. And then she just continued to get sick. So I quit. And I came home, told my husband, Yeah, so we quit today. And he's like, Yeah, that's not gonna actually work here. So she's fine, by the way. She's absolutely good, very fine. Very good. She's sixteen now and very healthy. But again, this was back a long time ago. This was before this was two thousand six, two thousand seven, and we realized that she had celiac disease which is a gluten intolerance, which everybody knows about now. Sure. But back in the pre-dawn internet days, (laughs) it wasn't as prevalent. And so the reason the site did so well is it had amazing search engine optimization. I was giving people what they were searching for, like chicken crockpot recipes, but they also happened to be gluten-free because that's just how we ate in our house. And so at the peak of the site, I was easily getting 2 million page views a month And the ad revenue was about $1,000 a day. So the ads really took off and everything went really, really, really well. And it was a fun, amazing experience.
1: Now I have to say, you know, San Francisco has one of my and my wife's favorite restaurants. I don't know if you know about it, but Gary Danko's is a fan favorite of ours. We love that place. Good, I'm uh, glad.
0: Everything's a little wonkified right now with COVID, but we will check it out. Thanks for the recommendation.
1: It's amazing. It's amazing. You'll love it. So you started this business at the beginning of 2008, which is actually an interesting time because in the middle of 2008, we had the Great Recession. You know, we are the Midland Money Mindset. How did that affect the business? Did you see an impact there from that?
0: Yeah, it took off because people all of a sudden realized that they needed to trim their budget. And one of the best things you can do is to cook at home and stop ordering takeout and stop living beyond your means. So I do teach an awful lot about meal planning and paying attention to your grocery budget. And when you meal plan, you have to shop according to what's on your grocery list rather than wandering through the aisles aimlessly. And if you are going to use your crockpot, you need to already have the food in the house. In the morning, 6 Mm a.m., 7 a.m. in order to dump it into the machine, push the button and wander off. So that creates, you're forced to have a meal plan and you're forced to plan ahead. And I think that immediately saves money because you're not in that frantic 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, what's for dinner? Oh, I'll just order pizza.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, the worst thing for me is I end up, it it never fails. I end up in the supermarket when I'm extremely hungry, and I probably end up with two or three times what I really should, and half of the stuff I probably don't need or want, but it sounded good at the time because I was so hungry, so... So you start this year of slow cooking, right? And you're gonna make a meal every day. I mean, did there come a point in time where you were like, Oh my god, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to figure out what to do next? I mean, it seems like a daunting task to do three hundred plus meals in a crock pot.
0: Yeah, it was leapier also, which I didn't know when I <laughs> when I was getting into it. What ached me on was I was one of the first recipe sites geared towards moms and meal planning. And I was the first CropPot blog. So I had a pretty large audience right away. The fact that there's strangers leaving comments and sending you emails is certainly an ego boost. But I have this sort of servant's heart. I had a social work background. I've always taught preschool and worked with families. The idea that I was helping somebody somewhere get food on the table, or somehow simplify their meal planning and their day-to-day life, just that is what feeds my soul. That is what super excites me and gets me out of bed in the morning, is how can I help somebody somewhere? Right. um, It it does. It eggs you on.
1: So did there come any point in time where you thought you might have trouble or you were like writer's block almost where you didn't know what the next meal was going to be and you had to really do some legwork to figure it out?
0: So the nice thing about moms is moms help each other. And so (laughs) when I was stuck on recipes of like, hey, I need pork, somebody send me some pork recipes and then I would get hundreds. Amazing. So thankfully, I have always been able to ask for help (laughs) 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 and moms definitely have delivered.
1: Yeah, so I think most people have their go-tos, right? They have their favorites, they have their easy to make, whatever may fit the bill for that specific time. What are your top three dishes that you really enjoy and you think are a home run with the slow cooker?
0: Sure, so in our family, I have three children and they are currently 19, 16, and 11. And when we have taco soup on the menu, they will always eat it. We do a lot of, we call it candy chicken, which is a nice mixture of brown sugar and soy sauce and and garlic and onion, and it has this kind of teriyaki flavor. And that's delicious. And then lately we've been doing a lot of taco dishes just because it's so nice to put together a taco bar. And so you can make tacos out of any sort of shredded meat, which is super simple. Just plop in whatever you want in a jar of salsa and shred it. You can doctor it up if you want to be fancier, but you don't need to in any way. I really like dump and go, get out of the kitchen recipes.
1: Right. And I think to some degree, and my time frame may be off a little bit, I think to some degree you were a little bit before your time also, because I remember even in the last couple years, slow cookers really taking on a life of their own to some degree. So I think you were ahead of your time. I mean, so just for those people that have not cooked that way, what kind of time commitment do they need in order to make a meal? I mean, is it a large one or is it a small one?
0: No. So there's the instant pot and that is a pressure cooker. And I think that might be what you're referring to in the
1: last
0: last few years. So that's actually the opposite of what I like to do because the instant pot will cook like a frozen chicken in 45 minutes, which is really exciting for a lot of people. But for me, not so much because I want to know what I'm going to cook early in the morning. I'm still caffeinated and coherent and I can get out of the kitchen (laughs) And especially when you've got little ones in the house, it's just not safe to be chopping an onion with cranky kids attached to your ankles at 5 PM. So when the Instant Pot came on the market, I had this like little voice saying like, just cause you can do something fast, it doesn't mean you should. Right. And so I sort of pivoted away from the internet at the time. I was getting emails and I was getting pressure from my book agent and publishers, like just recreate all of your recipes for the pressure cooker, or for the Instant Pot. And I didn't want to. I started feeling kind of phony baloney. And so I took a bit of time away from the internet. But as far as why slow cooking from a time commitment and why that just feels the most content in my body is that I don't actually like cooking. <laughs> I do it because right. I have to feed people. But it's not something that excites me. It's still a chore. And I think eventually, when I don't have to feed picky people, it might turn into a fun experience that I can shop at my leisure and and pick out the absolute perfect vegetables to go in. But for right now, our evenings are filled with after-school sports, homework, dance classes, PTA meetings, those type of things. So being home between 4 and 6 p.m. to figure out dinner doesn't work.
1: So how long does it take you to get things started in the morning and get it rolling?
0: Not long, 10, 15 minutes. I don't like browning my meat. I don't like caramel. I just truly dump it all in. I'm a huge promoter.
1: So the big commitments really in the preparation, the shopping, making sure you have all the uh, items that you need to put in the cooker. And then after that, it's pretty relatively easy.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think sticking to a grocery list and planning out your meals. So we do one grocery shop a week. And I shop with a meal plan and I have an itemized grocery list and, and awesome. that's what we're going to have. And it's on the calendar. The kids know, nope. Wednesday night, we're having honey lime chicken.
1: There you go. Yeah. So let's pivot for a minute, right? We talked about the slow cooker, which is where you made your headway in 08, and I misunderstood. And you know, in the last couple of years, we've had the Instapot, which is actually, as you've educated me, the complete opposite. It's more of not slow cooking. It's really that high pressure, Insta quick, more pressure and whatnot. And that kind of segues into what you did with your career to some degree, right? You switched right from this slow cooking more to slow living and kind of in line with where you were with slow cooking, you turn that into almost like a lifestyle brand. So Stephanie, can you tell the listeners about slow living? What is that about? What does that really mean?
0: Absolutely. So slow living, I think of as sort of a feeling. I don't like that sort of hustle, do more, be more, achieve more, go, 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 go. I think a lot of times People are trying to cram so much in that they forget that if we're lucky, life is long and you might as well enjoy it. And there's no reason to try and, and over schedule and overburden yourself. I think a lot of people underestimate what they can get done in a week. And so instead of just sort of scheduling it out in a nice, slow, methodical way, they over-cram themselves. And then because they over-schedule and over-cram themselves, they don't get it all done. And so they're always trying to play catch-up. And it doesn't feel right. And I'm right in between San Francisco and San Jose. So right at the doorstep of Silicon Valley. And people here drive too fast. They cut each other off. There's a lot of horn honking. The kids... like. By the time they're in kindergarten to second grade, the parents are, well, how do they get into Stanford? And we're like, just take a breath here. Like It's going to be okay. A kindergartner does not need to figure out what sport they're going to do for the rest of their life. Like Let them play in the mud. It really is going to be okay. And so especially when the Instant Pot hit the market and my book agent, all these people are asking me to do things. I had this little voice. And it said, just because you can do something fast, it doesn't mean you should. And I just sort of realized there's no reason to rush. There really isn't. When I look back on the things that I've done in three to five years, it's an awful lot. It's an awful lot. You can really do what you want to do in a way that is sustainable, where you're not going to end up with a heart attack or adrenal failure or a failed marriage because you're trying to overachieve in one area and not look at the whole human, the whole life experience.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that, and as far as what you did also, I think that that slow living concept and lifestyle goes very hand in hand with the slow cooking. And I think if you would have made that pivot to the Instapot, there would have been some confusion, perhaps by some people saying, you know, slow cooking, Instapot, they're like completely polar opposites. And there might have been some trouble there as far as losing some of your community and some of the following and the followers that you had built out, built up. This is the Midland Money Mindset. So what kind of mindset do you think people need to live slower?
0: Mm, So what I really like, about talking with you is that when you agree with me and, and two, you're not asking me to go for the low hanging fruit. And I think that's what the problem was and what didn't feel right is I had different business advisors saying that I was wrong for like throwing away The low-hanging fruit and how well it could have been—you could
1: have been (laughs) wrong financially, but
0: I might have been in the short run. But
1: that that, doesn't mean that you would have been happy (laughs) by doing that. So,
0: and that's the thing is, I'm definitely playing the long tail approach. I'm in my mid forties. I'm perfectly happy. I know if I keep doing what I'm doing, we will retire accordingly. It will be just fine. I greatly look forward to my 70s and 80s and still being married <laughs> and having a good relationship with my kids. So I think that is just a perspective I've always had of looking forward 10, 15 years and then figuring out where it is I exactly wanna be and then working backwards from there and doing the step-by-step approach to get there.
1: And Having a plan.
0: <laughs> having a plan. I am not into crashing and burning. I've seen it happen. I've been on the internet long enough To see people who I looked up to crash and burn, they have filed for bankruptcy, they are in the middle of a divorce, their kids are not doing super well, because they were chasing things that I am unwilling to do.
1: Now, if people out there want to live slower, they're living this hectic lifestyle, the Instapot type lifestyle, and they want to slow things down. Mm-hmm. but they're really not sure how. Mm-hmm. Are there a couple of things, maybe two or three things that you can give our listeners today that are easily actionable, they can enact it right away and start moving towards that slow living lifestyle? hmm
0: I'm so excited to talk to you because from a finance standpoint, you always say pay yourself first. So I tell my moms to pay themselves first. And so for me, that means I actually get up at 4 a.m., And that is my time. It is me and my coffee pot and my nicely smelling vanilla candle. And I'm alone Mm. in the kitchen and I can journal and I can think and I can plan out my day before I am putting out fires of sign this permission slip and do this. And oh, I don't want to eat that. I want to do this. And where are my blue socks for gym? So I like that I am calm and I am centered. And and 4am is what works for me because my husband gets up at five and the kids start trickling in at six and then we wake the puppy up at seven. So if that seems redonkulous to you, then just start shifting forward. But give yourself at least a half hour to an hour to remember who you are as a human um, before you start essentially firefighting all day long.
1: Right. And this isn't something just so people understand, this isn't something that you have to wake up one day and say, hey, I'm going to do this and do it A to Z, just like you just described. It's something that really takes a little bit of time to start implementing and acting until you get up to that point, really, because otherwise you're probably going to fail if you try to just wake up one day and say, hey, I'm doing this new thing every day and Probably not going to work. It's like going to the gym and then all of a sudden working out, and then the next morning you wake up and you're hurting and you don't want to go back to the gym ever again. I mean, is yeah. that the fair comparison?
0: Absolutely. I am very into teeny, teeny, tiny little baby steps and just keep trudging forward, and, and you'll slowly. get. To, it's very slowly you will get to where you want to go. I teach the concept of the peace pyramid in a group coaching course that I do, and so if you've got a pyramid at the very bottom. We start with time management because if you're always late to things, if you always feel like you're rushing, you've got to figure out your time management. And then from there, we do health and finances. So that's the very bottom of your pyramid. And for many, many, many people, that's where you stay for a long time. Right. And that's okay because you have to have that foundation in place before you add on to it. And then from there, we do organization and relationships. And then we put the tiny little piece of the triangle on top, which is peace, which is life purpose and figuring out like the bigger meaning of things, which a lot of personal development and self help authors say to start with. But it's really hard to sit and meditate and navel gaze and pontificate the meaning of life when you know you've got 12 baskets of laundry to fold and all of this other stuff that needs to happen. And so that's why I start with the peace pyramid from the bottom and grow it that way.
1: Yeah, I I think you have it right. I mean, I think those three things that lead up there will also help you achieve that higher peace also, because if you're just striving for that, but you don't have those other things in order, like you said, it's going to be very difficult for you to ever achieve that. And I think you're setting yourself up for failure, most likely, you know?
0: Absolutely. Well, and it's funny because you pick up like a real simple magazine or some sort of magazine that's unfortunately geared towards women. And so they make it seem like if you have an organized linen closet or spice cabinet, then you'll feel at peace. And that's not true if you're in debt or if you're buying $400 worth of baskets to organize your garage. That's not going to give you inner peace.
1: (laughs) There might be some people that'll get some inner peace. I don't know if they'll get complete inner peace from there, but there are some people that will definitely feel peaceful by having an organized closet for sure. I'm not necessarily one of them, but that's, that's okay. You mentioned the moms earlier that you have this large following with moms, and I've seen that you've been called the Tony Robbins for moms. Why do you think you've been called that, and what does that mean to you?
0: Well, I'm certainly not going to make anybody walk through coals
1: or <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> or yell or swear at them, but I think it's that it's not just one part of having a successful life. You do need to have all of the different things in place, and I do think that knowing who you are and what you stand for matters. And a lot of women forget to take care of themselves because they're so busy caretaking for other people. And Tony Robbins just in general is larger than life and I am not, but I do believe in sort of paying attention to the whole person and trying to look at all of the different aspects of things. When I am on the phone with a coaching client who believes that her problem is she has a picky eater. And then after I'm on the phone for a while, I realize that there's a whole bunch of other stuff and she's just maybe focusing only on the picky eater aspect. Right. Sort of life in general manifests for people in different ways.
1: I understand the whole picky eater thing. I have a soon to be 18 year old that lives on peanut butter and jelly, chicken fingers and filet mignon. Oh, wow. If he could have that every day, (laughs) that's pretty much all he would eat beyond that, it's kind of funny because my wife and I, he's our oldest and he was very picky from the very beginning. And my wife's somewhat picky. So I used to blame her. I was like, hey, he's picky because of you. You know, we broke him. And then my second son came along and he's like the complete opposite. He'll try anything, eat anything. And I'm like, I don't know. I guess there's no rhyme or reason. I guess they are who they are and they eat what they eat. And That's it. I don't know what's going to happen when he goes to college. Hopefully there's a supermarket not too far away so he could get bread, jelly and peanut butter and he'll be fine. But yeah, it's an interesting thing when you have people like that. It makes it more difficult, especially for the moms to put those meals together. Yeah.
0: What I really liked what you said is he is who he is and you are just sort of okay with it. And I think that's what is so nice and and gratifying. And I think so many people beat themselves up and they think they haven't figured out the formula or that somehow they've done something wrong. But the fact is you're growing a whole human, a future right. adult, and you right. can't micromanage every incy bitsy bit of everything. If your kids continue to grow, if they continue to meet their milestones, if the doctor's not worried about it, just let it go. Right. And be okay with
1: it. I agree. As long as they're healthy, that's fine. And I think parents in general, and, you know, I'm not an expert in this. I'm just talking from my own observations. We get too hung up on trying to make people perfect, and there's no such thing as perfect. And we have to, at the end of the day, we have to raise, like you said, young humans that one day are going to be out on their own. They're not going to have us there. And we have to make sure that when they're away from us, that they have the tools needed to live the life that we want them to live and be successful and healthy and all those things, but they're going to have to do it without us. We can't shelter them and and guide them for the rest of their lives. We want to make sure that they can go out on their own and be their own people. So if that means when we go out to dinner, him ordering chicken fingers off the kid's menu, or it is what it is. That's just what we'll have to deal with. Well, From a
0: financial standpoint, ordering the chicken fingers is better than the Filet
1: mignon, So, <laughs> yeah, but the filet mignon does taste a lot it better. It really tastes a lot <laughs> better. Know? So, again, we talk a lot about mindset here. And I want to shift it over to you. What is the mindset for somebody, let's say other moms who are listening or other people, anybody really, what's the mindset needed for someone to take their passion, something they really like and turn it into a successful business? I mean, this is clearly something you've done successfully and I'm sure other people have had thoughts about, maybe just haven't pulled the trigger, but is there inherently a mindset shift that you have to go undergo to you know, embark on that trip?
0: I think one of the better things I did was that I gave it a whole year is I had an idea for New Year's resolution and I stuck to it. And I think sometimes people have great intentions but they don't follow through and the execution gets muddied because they give up. And it takes a long time to get the ball rolling, to feel comfortable with what you're doing. And I think eventually success can be reached. For almost any idea and anything, if you just stick with it and follow your gut and your intuition, one of the reasons I kind of like to go quiet and I have that time in the morning is that's when the ideas come and you'll get this flash of an idea and maybe it's on a long walk or maybe it's in the shower, but you'll know it's a good idea because it sort of feels good in your body and it sticks with you. And, and a lot of people are like, oh, I better write these things down. If it's a good idea, It's not, you don't need to write it down because it's going to haunt you. It will haunt you and haunt you until you follow it through. And that's what you want to do. Wayne Dyer always used to say, don't die with the music in you. You know, if you've always wanted to write a book and that is the thought that keeps coming back to you, just do it. It's really not that hard. You just open a Google doc and start writing. (laughs) It's not that hard.
1: Yeah, I think you've brought up some good points, some just right now and some throughout the whole conversation. I think one is you have a plan, right? I think that's important regardless of what you're going to do. If you're going to try to start a successful venture, have a plan for it. And it doesn't have to be detailed to the letter and the dot. I always say done is better than perfect, right? You want to make sure you get it done. And then having that commitment and kind of bringing it back full circle Taking that slow cooking, that slow living approach to building a business or a new opportunity is typically going to create something that's going to last a lot longer than taking that instant approach where you're expecting instant gratification that you're going to just all of a sudden launch this business. Everybody's going to come. If you build it, they will come philosophy. And that doesn't happen necessarily. It's almost investing in a child or taking in that time and nurturing a baby and growing it up and utilizing that plan to continue that emphasis on the transformation of where you are today. And you've certainly done that. You started out as a slow cooking expert and now converted it and transitioned it into slow living, which I think is awesome and probably more pertinent than ever based upon what's going on in today's world. People are looking to live slower lifestyles, I think, now more than ever. So congratulations on that. I'd like to know, what are the next big steps for Stephanie O'Day and the brand?
0: Is it bad that I'm looking forward to the kids leaving so then I can get a little RV and (laughs) and drive very slowly? It's so funny. I'm in my mid-40s, but I'm definitely looking forward to the retirement stage of my life. As far as the brand, I have some ideas. When COVID's over, I would like to go back to giving in-person workshops and groups. I do like the one-on-one connection that sometimes you lose through Zoom. I have some visions, but not necessarily some definite have-tos. I think I'm okay with just sort of letting things unfold. And that's what feels right to me right now is I don't want to overcommit. I want to be able to do this in the next 10 years in sort of a slow, methodical way.
1: I think that's a great idea. And worst case scenario, if that big idea comes and sticks with you, you could always pull the trigger in and enact on it, right?
0: Absolutely. You
1: know, you always have that option. So I think that you always make better decisions when you evaluate them slowly rather than pulling the trigger just because you think something's a good idea. And it sounds like that's a philosophy that you use, which is fantastic. Stephanie, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. And we end every show by asking everybody the same question. And I think you may have given us an inkling to what the answer is. I don't know, but maybe you'll say something different. But what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success?
0: So I definitely did get up early and I knew I was going to talk to you. And so I spent some time listening to some of your past episodes and just sort of getting centered in a way that I thought I could best answer your questions and serve your audience. And the idea that there are real people out there listening and somehow that I can find a way to help is very gratifying. And so I thank you for allowing me to have this opportunity and for creating this platform to reach people that I never otherwise would have met.
1: Awesome. Yeah, well, that's what it's all about. So bringing good people out to the forefront, letting our listeners listen in, get some great ideas, because they may be in a position just like you were in 2008 and looking for an opportunity. And hopefully, maybe this gives them the inspiration to start opening that Google Doc and either starting the book or putting an idea from, I guess we used to say pen to paper, but now it's from keyboard to Google Doc, I guess. I don't know. But listen, it's been a pleasure having you. If people want to find you online, we'll have all this information in the show notes, but what's the best way for them to connect with you?
0: Sure. So I'm Stephanie O'Day and O'Day is O-D-E-A. So the URL is just stephanieoday.com.
1: Awesome. Very easy. Very easy. So go check her out if you're looking to slow down and be more slow living, especially in this fast paced world we're all living in. Even if it just gives you a great idea to slow down for a couple of days, I think it's worth your while. So Stephanie, thanks for being here. It's been a pleasure speaking with you and make it a great day. Thank you. I want to thank Stephanie O'Day for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset Show. Stephanie took what seemed to be a crazy idea and has turned it into a career. She has stepped out of the pressure cooker and is living more like a crockpot, slowly, and living her best life. She's taking what she has learned and using it to help others find the ability to slow down and enjoy too. What rewarding work. Stephanie can be found across all social media platforms and all the contact information needed to find her can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandfinancial.com and be sure to smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content. And listen, please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. Be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about the mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement.